You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And our guest today is the Specter of Old Tower. Hello. Hello, guys. Nice to be here. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Mm-hmm. We are very excited to talk to you. The new Old Tower album, The Old King of Witches, is officially out. Sunday, October 31st for Halloween. It has been announced. You can hear it now on the Bandcamp until you get the physical copy in your hand, but absolutely one of our favorite albums of the year here over at Noise Extra. So we thought perfect time to have you on and discuss your form of dark music. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. I can't even count how many times we've heard that album yes. this month so far. Cool. Yeah, I'm honored to be here, guys. So uh, let's uh, let's talk. Sounds yeah. good. Well, the new album is a new step for Old Tower that seems to have begun with the Grim Alchemy trilogy, the Plague Harvest tape, and now the new album. What do you credit that evolution for? And do you see an evolution in the work of Old Tower? My roots lay mostly in black metal music, of course. Ambient music has always been of my main passions. And I was way, uh, way earlier into ambient music than I was, you know, when I was uh, discovering, uh, before I was discovering stuff like Morty's or Cold Meat Industry. Uh, Cold Meat Industry. Let's, 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 take, let's take a step back. Uh, I discovered black metal around 2002, 2003. That's when I really got into the underground stuff. I was mostly fascinated by all the ambient tracks and the intros and outros of, of black metal bands. And then uh, uh, I started to you know, look around, like what, what else is out there in terms of this, this kind of music? I didn't know, really know what it was, but I was so fascinated by it, you know, because it was basically emitting the same atmosphere as black metal, but it had a certain meditative, calm aspect to it. And that's really resonated with me. I, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but I also had like a different project back already in 2009 or 10, which was fully dark ambient. And uh, I also released like two CDs on Cyclic Law. What project is that? Uh, it's, 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 it's Cave with a K, K-A-V-A. Not familiar. Was not familiar. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to check it out. Yeah. That, that was basically my first steps into making dark ambient music. But dark ambient has always been my one of, yeah, or like ambient music in general has always been my main passion in music. And uh, coming back to the new album, uh, I was uh, uh, yeah just interested in, um, yeah, just trying out something new and just really go back to, yeah, my roots basically, just so where, where, I, where I come from and see how that would play out in, the context in the world of Old Tower, and that's how the new album uh, came uh, came across. So, what were some particular projects in the ambient world that sent you on that path? You mean from you mean from the beginning, or just a new album? From the beginning into from the, the beginning. New album. Yeah. <laughs> so you you uh, earlier when we uh, uh, just started talking, you mentioned Steve Roach. Mm-hmm. He was one of my first artists to really, you know, catch my attention. Mm-hmm. And especially his Immersion series. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. Yeah, Steve Roach is fantastic. Uh, so the Immersion series for me were like, you know, it's just like one hour tracks or maybe even longer. They just go on and on, you know, like they're basically loops in some sort. 
but it doesn't feel like it. And I was so drawn to that, you know, like the, the immense long soundscapes and, and all this other work too, you know, like the more rhythmic stuff and the more shamanic stuff. Yeah, it just was very special to me. And then I also started checking out stuff like Robert Rich, of course. Yeah, mostly of all his stuff that he collaborated with. So LIOD, Ofoy as well, Vitna Obmana. And through Vitna Obmana, I started to get to get into, you know, like more uh, stuff like the cold meat industry bands. Yeah, and went on and on from there. So I started... Uh, Looking and looking, that's it. Yeah. So then, when did someone like Mortis get on your radar? Was that through discovering Cold Meat Industries? Yeah, that was Cold Meat Industry for sure. So that was uh, his second album, At Samgyunde Operor. I'm not sure how to pronounce it properly. Again, you, wow. the, with the confidence that you said that <laughs> makes me believe that that's exactly how it's pronounced. I've never attempted to I pronounce I guarantee it's better than we'll do. Yeah, I've never <laughs> attempted to pronounce Mortis album titles aside from the Stargate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, <laughs> whatever you, however you pronounce it is correct by us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Mortis was basically my, yeah, the, uh, for me, the first real dungeon synth experience, basically. And of course, I was very fascinated by the music, but I was even more fascinated by the guy himself, you know, with, you know, like the troll face and, and the, the, the costumes and the world he was trying to build and everything. And it was like, yeah, uh, it was very, it was very special to hear that for the first time to experience it for the first time. So, yeah. Did you have any other influences uh, that I see kind of cited for a lot of dungeon sin stuff, which would be like old, old video game music. So, you know, sort yeah. of like the Ultima and stuff or dungeons and dragons or any of those sort of things to pull you into this world. Um, you know, I, I really like to play video games and just games in general. You know, I, I also run a Dungeon and Dragons group with uh, with some friends. Uh, but um, actual video game soundtracks were, were not really that much of an influence. Maybe like one. And that was the soundtrack from uh, the, the game called Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the soundtrack itself is, you know, it's, it's really like... Lots of classical music, of course, and folk music and stuff. But he has this, there's this like, uh, when they released the um, the soundtrack, there was this one CD, which was called Atmospheres. And that's just basically like one track of 45 minutes of pure nature ambience with, you know, like beautiful, uh, yeah, soundscapes and and melancholic guitars and everything and it's it's just a fantastic track even if you're not into video games you should li really listen to that track in my opinion because it's it's absolutely beautiful so yeah yeah the you mentioned the visual aspect of mortis and that's such an important part of his work absolutely when did you realize the visual aspect was going to be important to your work immediately uh, it always has been important. I think, actually, the the visual aspect is almost as important as the music, because just like Morris, it it just shapes his world, and the music just gives more context to the world. But yeah, as we all know, humans are of course very visual visual beings, so the the visual aspect could be. Uh, needs to be very strong in order to for the music to work as well but i think and, it's, and, and i'm gonna take my own project for uh, as an example that the visual stuff can have any music basically in my opinion right i mean i i, I choose 
the the genre ambient music or dungeon synth to to portray that that image but in my opinion it could work with uh with any kind of music in uh, i think so that's why i also drifted towards more like exper experimental stuff like for example grim alchemy it's more like it's way more melodic way more uh, musical sounding and the old king of witches is almost soundscape like so i'm just trying to explore where how far you, how far can you go with this with this whole concept or the world basically and yes the new record is far more dark ambient or as it's been written as dark music and yeah. i think plague harvest is also very much in that style was it a conscious effort to shift more towards the electronic ambient side of things as opposed to the more melodic things did it just happen no it just happened um but the i already started doing that kind of stuff on the last eidolon album which is basically a mixture between dungeon synth and dark ambient and then at some point i was just like yeah i'm just gonna go <laughs> you know like full-on soundscapes drones because i was just a bit burnt out with you know that the whole melodies and and typical dungeon synth stuff it's for me it's it's very predictable whilst there's more freedom in soundscapes and, and, and ambient music so that's that's probably it, it was never conscious but it's probably the reason why i just started to drift towards more that kind of free free expression so to speak well what led to you sort of ending the cave project and starting old tower I, I guess it was just a just a different focus on um, on music and just my life in general. My life, uh, like when I did Cave, my life was very different than from what it is now. Um, and at some point, I, I guess some stuff happened, and I just started to uh, yeah started to lose interest in in creating music uh, for Cave. But uh, you know, I, I'm not sure how you say it in English, but um, we always say the blood crawls where it can can go. And that means my main passion for creating music is still ambient music. So it just, it, it gradually returned into what I, whatever I was doing or what I'm doing now. So, but there was no real reason. I, I, I can't really recall the reason why I just quit the project. Maybe a lack of inspiration. Uh, I always had tons of trouble back then to, to find my, my sound. Cause I was really not really knowledgeable about, you know, how, how gear works, how recording works. Like most of the cave stuff was recorded on a, on a borrowed guitar and all the effects were like computer effects, digital effects. And it was, it was a really messy affair. So it was also probably some, some sort of a, maybe a lack of confidence or lack of, mostly lack of knowledge. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you said the magic word. So now I have to ask what, uh, what sort of gear do you use for old tower? Uh, it depends. Um, I, I've used for the very first demos, I just used like free plugins from the internet that I found. And I started, you know, started working with that. Um, on Plague Harvest, for example, I used a lot of acoustic stuff, lots of field recordings. Um, on Stellary Wisdom, I actually used the same keyboard that Mortis has used, the GV30 Roland keyboard, Fantastic. which is basically just, <laughs> yeah, which is basically just Mortis in a box, right? It's just, you know, it, it has the same presets and everything. Uh, which is also the reason why I haven't used it again, because it's the sound is so familiar to what Mortis was doing with his first work that I just, 
I, I, I was just like, I cannot do this, you know, for another album. It's, it sounds too much alike, right? So, um, but yeah, it just really depends. Uh, for the new album, I used tons of field recordings that I uh, edited, morphed into something else. And I've also bought like, uh, do you, are you guys familiar with the Omnisphere? No. No. That's a that's a virtual. It's a it's a software synth, but it is this enormous library of of you know presets and sounds and options that you can do. I think there are over like twenty thousand different sounds and uh, 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 presets, all in all, which you can endlessly combine. It's a very powerful tool for me because I, I I'm I'm not really a fan of using too much analog gear because. You know, I, I've, I've, I, I don't have much space for that in my, in my, in my house, and um, I, I think, yeah, my, my, my best tool to work with is, is the computer or a, a, like actual acoustic instruments. So I, I tend to use like a combination of, 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 of both. How important are field recordings to your work? Seems like you've been using them in, on a lot of different albums. Yeah, very important because like a, a good field recording immediately sets the mood. Like for example, rain or wind or. Um, you know, on a new album, I used sounds that, you know, like where I was digging in the earth, using stones and whatever to, you know, simulate certain environments, so to speak. And for me, field recordings always have set the mood, have set the mood for a lot of great, great uh, recordings. Or it was, it's, it's always been a no-brainer for me to use field recordings because it also gives a more organic feel to your music. That's basically it. When a recording starts with wind, rain, thunder... <laughs> Sold. I'm already in. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you if you prefer to work alone or if you have any specific process or ritual that you do by yourself. Yeah, I always I always work alone uh, on Altar at least. And when I usually start a project, you know, it's always been um, the whole world is building up inside my head for a long time, and then at some point I'm just you know now it's time to sit down. And set, you know, like set, set the world in stone through audio. And that's usually a process that, that doesn't stop for like maybe one, two, three weeks or so. And then just work on it endlessly. And then it's then it's usually it's done. And um, so, but uh, yeah, it's a very introverted process. Like a friend of mine asked me about like, uh, yeah, how, how do you create? Uh, what's the deal with, you know, like creating Emmy music? How do you do it? And I said, like, yeah, it's just, it's a very introverted process. You know, like you, you really have to do, you really have to be in yourself to really, to try and create the, uh, the atmosphere that you want to, uh, want to convey. At least that, that's, that's what I think. I, I think I would have a hard time to create this kind of music with someone else. So, yeah, it comes yeah. across as a private world. And I think that's also what's so exciting about listening to it, especially by yourself in your home or in a headset because yeah. you do, you do, you know, feel that you, isolation, yeah. which is invigorating yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. Before we continue our conversation with Old Tower, a quick word from our sponsors. Oxen Records, Peter J. Wood's Collages, C30, created through reimagined texts and sounds from works written between 2012 to 2019. Unsustainable Social Condition. Rapid Polarization 2, C20. Follow up to 2019's Rapid Polarization on Foul Prey. Brutish feedback and frayed layers of havoc. Circuit Wound, a sudden lapse of concentration CD. J. Howard's decades-long harsh noise project abuses with sheets of gnarled, hellacious onslaught. Scathing, a capital beneath the waves. CD. 
Mutilated feedback, vigorous distribution of American noise, plowing through all guardrails, unhinged swirl of limbs. Out now at oxen-label.com. Established in 1990, Cold Spring is the UK's premier label, specializing in new and rediscovered industrial and esoteric music, such as Coil, Psychic TV, Mertzbau, MZ412, FM Einheit of Einsters and Neubauten, Trepaneering's Ritualen, Burial Hex, Sleep Research Facility, Zoskia, film soundtracks, and much more. You can find our large mail-order catalog at coldspring.co.uk or in the USA via forcedexposure.com. Remorseless Greed is the 700th release on Hospital Productions, a double C60 packaged in a metal can with sand. The contents are secret and one must excavate the tomb to see who's inside. Edition of 350 cans for the living, the dead, and the immortal. So how did you then translate that to live shows? Because you have played a lot of live shows. The idea of a live show is not isolation, right? Right. Um, but I need the isolation to create the world that I want to want to create. Um, and, but with a live show, it's 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 actually the opposite thing. I'm more like inviting people to take part into that world, and I try to do that, you know, like with with the whole visuals and the uh, you know like the aesthetics that I use in a live setting, of course. Um, because I do feel it's, uh, I do like to uh you know share my world with with other people which is why i play the live shows but it's definitely not i'm not really trying to shape a sense of isolation but more like a sense of magic and to create a world where people can get lost in for like 45 or 50 minutes how long how long ever i play had you always intended on playing live or was it something that no never but then Dominic, he, uh, you know, we, uh, I met Dominic, uh, I, I can't really remember when I met him, but, you know, like years back. And, you know, we just started talking and our meeting was actually about something else. It was about the, the Blood Tyrant departure chandelier split 7-inch. And he texted and he emailed me and was saying like, yeah, man, we need to, uh, we need, I'm, I'm in the Netherlands and we, you need to come to a hotel where I'm staying and we need to, you know, like work on a test press cover and, and, and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So then I, I, we, I went to the hotel when we did the, um, we created the cover. Yeah. And it immediately clicked, you know, like we were immediately on the same level. And then we started talking about like, what else are you doing in music? And then I was, uh, I was like, yeah, I also have this old tarot project. And then I think I released the Stellary Wisdom album on, on Profound Lore uh, shortly after. And then uh, yeah, the idea came up like, uh, do you want to come to New York to, uh, to play a show with uh, Rainforest and uh, Am Sangland from, uh, from Pierre Marc? I was like, yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> and that's, that's basically the, the first the opportunity to play live, but I never envisioned to really to have this project play live at all. There, there was actually, when I released the CD on Profound Lore, Walter from Roadburn also approached me for a live show. And I think that was the real, that was the real first opportunity. But then the, the show in New York happened earlier than Roadburn. So yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. What did you do to prepare for those first live shows? Uh, yeah, I just practiced the whole set. You know, what, what I first did and what I found most important was what, what were the visuals. So. But I started, you know, like mapping out the visuals because I wanted to tell some sort of a narrative with the uh, with with the music. So I created the visuals first, and then I started to, uh, you know, start looking at yeah, what what parts of my album or 
other stuff fits with the visuals. And then I started to yeah, create the live set uh, uh, from there. The, vi- the, the narrative always comes first and then, then the, the actual music comes, uh, comes into play. So that's how I always prepare. Yeah. We've gotten a chance to see you a few times and we didn't see that first New York show, but we saw you the second New York show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That video was that the same video you used for the first time, or did had, did you change it around for that? That that was the very, that's the very first video, and I've mostly used that video for all live performance to this day. But I have another show coming up in February, I think, in in Leipzig in Germany, and then I will you know like the whole visual aspect and aesthetics will completely change from what I was doing in New York, basically, and in LA. And so it will more fit the new album, basically. Love that Ooh. promo video with the oh, thanks. the skull. Oh my the, God, yes. The fog coming out. Is Smoke. that is it going to be similar to that or is it something completely different that you're working on? It will be probably something like that. So I, I worked with a professional video a photographer on that video. Uh, she's called uh, Nona Limon. She's a big following on the internet with uh, with all her pictures. You know, she also did some some uh, some photo shoots with uh, bands like uh, uh, Dole, which is a, du- a pretty big Dutch band, but also for Chelsea Wolf. You know, she works with quite quite a big uh, big artists. But her her general style is just very gothic, you know, very witchy, dark. And a good friend of mine, she knew her, and that's and she liked my album. So I was like, yeah, maybe we should do something because you're I like your style. You have a sense of you know good aesthetics, so let's let's try something out, and that's how that the new photo session came um, came to be. But uh, uh, when we were shooting the video, you know the 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 new teaser video, we shot tons of extra material as well. And we're going to shoot even more material, and that will all be used in the in the new uh, uh, backdrop video for for the live shows, basically. Yeah, excellent. And yeah, she also worked on the image that's on the cover of the old king of witches yeah yeah that's that's uh, that's also her photo- photography yeah <clears throat> well it is as much as the album is also a step it feels that the cover is something different as well did you come up with the concept for the cover did you work with her to come up with the concept i always had the idea of this whole appearance of the witch looking monstrous appearance that was that was something that i came up with myself and I, 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 I presented that idea to her and she was like, yeah, I have this and this for that. And um, then I also arranged some other some, some other props for, for myself, of course. And then we started, you know, just making the photo shoots. But uh, the actual idea for the cover. <clears throat> so I worked, a, 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 me and Dominic from hospital worked very closely on the whole layout and the presentation of the album. Uh, you know, like we started to look into, um, you know, what 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 what's what's the what's the aesthetic that we're going to present? And I was we were just going through these pictures, and then he said he saw that picture, and that's oh, that should be the cover. And I was like, okay, um, well let's let's give it a shot. And then you know, like we just used it as a cover, and then we started to uh, look into it more, like what 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 else can we do with it? And then yeah. Uh, but it was it was basically like a no brainer that that was that was to be the cover. So mm-hmm. yeah, because it had this very wretched, obscure appearance, 
and uh, it it looked way more wretched and obscure than the other pictures, and that that was basically the the, the biggest reason to uh, to use that one for the uh, for the actual cover. So it's so fitting. That's a good choice. And we keep yeah. referencing the new album, The Old King of Witches, but really there's multiple new things that are coming out in tandem with the old king of witches so we have ruination a new dawn cometh and we have triton reef spires yeah in addition to the old king of witches so how did this all get organized and then we have tales of the mad moon which collects the grim alchemy plague harvest i believe some unreleased stuff as well uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, on the Grim Alchemy LP that's also coming out, there, there's like an... Uh, Wait, there's so much. There's so <laughs> much. So I guess try to help break down all the things that are coming out together. Yeah. So let's start with the Grim Alchemy LP. So that's basically a compilation of the three seven inches that we did on Hospital Productions. And that LP um, uh, also has like an additional bonus EP attached to it. So that's three extra tracks. Yeah. And that EP, I mean, it was never, never really the idea that, was, that it was going to come out on a seven inch, but we were like, you know, we, we can just do a, a, a regular compilation of all these nine tracks on just one, 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 uh, one vinyl, but why not, you know, just uh, make it something special and that we uh, add more tracks uh, to it. And I, I had some extra material laying around. That was perfectly fitting for this, uh, to yeah, for 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 this for this release basically. So that's Grim Alchemy. Then we have the Plague Harvest Ruination, the New Dawn Comet, uh, twelve inch plus ten inch set. And the Ruination tracks are, you know, like the the first part of that uh, of of the Ruination uh, uh, ten inch is not new. That was already available on my Bandcamp, but it was never officially released. And the reason why is because. This is a this is a crazy story, but uh, I was working on a new album. That one track is basically yeah a remnant of that album, and I never got to finish the album because like my hard drive where that album was uh, was was on got stolen. <laughs> ah. Yeah, it got stolen for my house Setting. actually. Yeah, so it's a it's a very weird story, but that's why I never managed to finish that album. But I had like a uh, a mix down of that one track laying laying around somewhere on a yeah on a dropbox or something i don't know then i was just like yeah this i just i thought it, the track was good enough to just release it but i didn't really know what to do with it so i just put it online basically but the then you have the second part of that 10 inch which is also a leftover of an album i never really finished but um uh, dominic was asking uh, what else do you have and i was just you know going to the archives and i came across this track and i sent it to him and he he thought it was good enough to put it on the b-side so yeah that's uh that's where we went uh with that but that also like that that's also a track that it was impossible to edit you know, so many files were lost or damaged or whatever so it was also a mix down that i just found somewhere laying around so yeah but chronologically chronologically when was when were those albums being created and supposed to be released? The the, the first ruination uh, part was uh, that was shortly after the rise of the specter. So that was 
already back in 2015 or 16 I was that I was working on that. And the second part was in 2017, I think. And the computer was stolen. So technically, they still exist somewhere. Yeah, but I think... Well, what uh, if someone actually... What if someone released. released it? Someone, whoever stole yeah. it, ends up releasing it. Someday you come across Someday. an album, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's a pretty long story, like how that happened. But I think um, uh, that the persons who stole it probably just erased the whole hard drive and uh, that, that that's the end of it. You know? <laughs> how, how long did it take you to recover from that, uh, from, from having that taken? Like, did you immediately... Want to start recording again? Did you have to rebuild all of your gear? Actually, it felt like freedom. I'm not really an archival person, you know. I don't, I don't really care about that thing. So I just create something and then I move on. But the hard drive that the that the, that album was on also contained lots of other things, you know, like lots of old recordings, masters, you know, like cover artwork, scans, uh, uh, lyrics, whatever. Like years of my 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 career of yeah, career was in there and then you know it suddenly all went away in one one go and i was like yeah okay well that's it uh, i'm you're free <laughs> yeah I, well yeah not really free but it was like yeah the, it, the, the, it was just too much to take and i just basically blocked it out and i just went went on so yeah i never looked back basically i i, I was like i can i can really you know like care care about all this but what you're gonna do so yeah and then the Triton tape that comes with the bundle, what is that material? That's really new material. That was actually recorded last year. Yeah. Which is, um, yeah, basically an elongation of the, of the whole concept, you know, of, of uh, uh, treating more into the, uh, yeah, more free-flowing soundscape. But it had a it, it has a theme that I always wanted to explore, and it's more like about the uh, Greek mythology, and then mostly related to the the deep sea, you know, like with you know like with Triton and Poseidon, and you know like all those ancient Greek Roman gods, because that's always something I um, I was very intrigued by, and I always wanted to create like a conceptual release about uh, uh, on that theme. Triton respires are just two tracks, but uh, I'm already working on new material that will further build on that on that concept so what role does history and mythology play in your work versus fantasy i'm always inspired you know by by medieval medieval history for example but not 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 like like the um not in a literal sense that you know that that i am inspired by certain time periods um so i would not say that like literal history the fantasy aspect has always been way more important than the history a aspect, but the history aspect always has inspired me, but I always try to create my own thing out of the actual you know, like mythology things that I, that I, that I, that I like. Uh, yeah. For example, I, from a young age, I was always really inspired by, by Egypt and ancient Rome. To keep it short, fantasy has always, has always been my main issue and, uh, yeah. It, 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 I never really wanted to do literal historic periods, you know, like in, in, in my music, basically. So, yeah. But history is, of course, an inspiration for that. But, yeah, I always try to build my own world out of it. Yeah. Do you have uh, favorite fantasy authors or series that inspired you early on? Uh, yeah, of course, Tolkien. 
that's uh, that's a classic. <laughs> but yeah, Tolkien is. I mean, I, I I haven't read a lot of fantasy artists, but uh, you know, Tolkien has always been my my favorite. Um, and then of course H.P. Lovecraft. You know, it's all it's all these 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 really big names that everyone knows. But in my opinion, they're just you know unbeatable <laughs> classics, so to speak. It's just an endless. Yeah, the, there's a reason they're the big names everybody knows, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, but it's an endless source of inspiration. Um, but also uh, Robert Howard from uh, from Conan the Barbarian, of course, which is just uh, total classic to me, of course. Uh, but that you know that um, that might be not so inspiring for Old Tower, but more of like for for the metal music of uh, the metal music that I do. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Lovecraft. Are there any particular stories you like, or is there anything that inspired like uh, Triton Reef Spires or something? Is that uh, is that strictly like a Greek mythology, or is that does Lovecraft play a role in that? Because there's a lot of aquatic themed stories. Yeah. No, I guess it's it's uh, it it might be an unconscious thing, but it's uh, it's it might be a combination of both. Because, like for example, Dagon, this this that's one of the first da- uh, Lovecraft stories that I read. Is is yeah, so it's so great because that's also really aquatic, you know, like with uh, with a monolith where all the deep the deep ones are swirling around. And I've always been intrigued in Lovecraft's um, really myth, yeah, um, his way of describing things that are that yeah that seems so horrible and impossible to comprehend you know and the sea is is basically impossible to comprehend for us human being because it's so large you know and and we only have discovered yeah a small percentage of of the whole ocean so what else could be could could be in there right and that was also basically yeah it was also the the inspiration for for triton respires you know to explore the unknown of the sea and what mysteries it holds and the ocean, like the, the, the flat surface also like has a meditative quality to it. You know, it's like in, in, it's like infinity. It's, it's, it's deep. It's vast. For me, it's very inspiring. Just like space, for example, space has always, has always been a recurring theme in, in old tower as well. You know, like with the stars, just fascinated by the infinite. What can we as humans comprehend, uh, uh, in terms of, in terms of nature and, and it, yeah. We, we 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 literally can grasp just a very tiny amount of it, and that's always has always been very inspiring to me. Yeah, I think Lovecraft was equally inspired by the ocean and by space and and the cosmic. As, of, you know, you see generally one of the two or both in the stories. Yeah, yeah, uh, especially the cosmic, uh, the, the especially the cosmic thing. You know, like the cosmic horror. That's of course what he invented, and uh, yeah, I mean that always stuck with me. You know, like the the. The horrors of the cosmos it's just you know it's so vast so that anything could could be there so the, the 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 imagination is basically limitless in that in that aspect and that's what he did very well <laughs> yeah do you think uh something like dungeons and dragons helped develop your imagination or help you build the sort of worlds that you work in with old tower um well not not specifically for old tower um but yeah it it definitely teach me things about how to create your world like uh actually to create a world that makes sense for the for the outside world to comprehend as well because you know if you're playing dungeons and dragons as a dungeon master you have to explain the world to your to the players and they need to get a sense of the world that they're in and if you if you don't succeed at it yeah then you know the the whole story basically fails 
Um, yeah, you have to know more details than your players could ever possibly ask. Basically, yeah. you have to invent all of these things for all these scenarios that might try to happen. And if you don't know them, you have to know enough about the world you're creating to kind of create them on the fly and have them integrate properly. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they always do things differently, right? You, you have this in mind for them, but they always do the opposite. And then you have to be prepared for that. And then the whole... Um, uh, the whole the whole thing about building a convincing world really helps with you know like um, being being able to properly adjust to to their decisions and yeah I, I learned a lot about world building through through that game for sure yeah getting back to actual recording of old towers music do tracks come immediately do you record bass tracks and then go back and build on those tracks. What is the process? Say, for example, the new record, the old King of Witches, you collected field recordings. Did you collect synth tracks and then start to mold it? How, what is your process? It's uh, uh, always the, the, the main, the main thing that I, that I, that I always start with is the story that I want to tell. So I always have a story in mind that I want to tell, and um, well, basically, yeah, it's not it's not really like a like a, a chronological story or something, but there there's this this world you know like building in, in, inside my head, and then I just try to fill it in with uh, with the music, and then basically what happens is just I start laying down some, uh, at least I'm trying to find sounds first that fit that kind of part of the story that I want to tell. And that, yeah, that's that's basically an off and on process. Sometimes I lay down some some bass tracks, like you said, and then I come back to it, and then I think, is this still sufficient enough for what I want to tell? Yeah, maybe it is. Then I start building filter. If it's not, I'm just throw it away, start over again. Um, so it's 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 yeah, it's it's a lot of sketching in the in 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 the in the beginning. And I, you know, I, I don't have really much trouble with laying down, for example, five or six tracks in, in, in a couple of nights, but that's the real base of it. And then I always, you know, I'm, I always start iterating on those, on those tracks. So if I think I listen to this track, oh, it needs a bit more, whatever field recordings, or maybe some extra sounds there and I start recording those. And then I just, you know. Yeah, it's basically like like making a collage, like cutting cut cut and pasting. Uh, is uh, is how would I describe the process? Yeah, and then it becomes reality with this new slew of releases. There's a lot of artwork involved. We talked about the new cover, but there's also some great art that's different than the new cover imagery like the plague harvest cover where did that come from is that something you did did you work with an artist on that uh, no i always i i i like all the drawings and and uh stuff that's that's all my own work so i oh, cool. i do i do everything i do everything myself um i i don't really like hiring other artists to uh, to do drawings because yeah I guess I'm too much of a control freak for that I'm, I might say and I'm always afraid of you know that someone might give an, uh, a different or maybe a 
quote unquote wrong interpretation of what I want to uh, want to tell. So I just started drawing and, and creating my own artwork for that. Yeah. When did Old Tower start? So it started after Cave. Yeah, I don't know actually. Uh, 2015 or so. I don't know actually. Wow. So it's been a lot of work in a relatively short period of time. Yes. Are yes. you constantly working on new stuff? Yeah, basically, you know, aside from, uh, you know, playing some, playing some games here and there, I don't really have much other uh, interests or hobbies, so to speak, than other than music. Uh, I, I, I always work on music or, or drawing. You talk about world building. Yeah. And taking people out of the mundane reality for X amount of time, whether or not they're listening to a record, whether or not they're at a show is dark music, the best form of art to take people out of the mundane. That's a, that's a really good question. I, I don't know. Um, or I guess, what is it about this music that you believe takes people out of the mundane? That's a very good question. So the idea, for example, the idea behind the Shadow Kingdom, I'm not sure if you if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yes. That was that was the that was the the first label. Uh, or oh, sorry, the yeah, a, a label that I started with uh, with my, with a good friend of mine called Morden Demstervolt. He's also my partner in crime in regards to Blood Tyrant and Tear Ghoul and tons of other projects. He is also a life member of Old Tower. But basically, the idea behind the Shadow Kingdom was this, is that we wanted to uh, yeah, create this twilight zone, right? It's, it's, it was basically a, a way of dealing with, with reality and putting it into a different context. So most of the themes that occur in Old Tower and all the releases that we did with the Shadow Kingdom and now Shigarike as well, that's, that's, that's a continuation of that. It's all based on really, yeah, realistic ideas or experience that we had in real life, but we then try to give it a different context. And that's that's always what inspired us. We always try to, uh, uh, yeah, change our own reality to a reality that we saw fit for ourselves, basically. You can call that as escapism or or whatever you like, but for us, it uh, especially in in the times of the Shadow King was it was very real for us uh, to um, yeah. We 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 basically lived in the twilight zone for a couple of years, right? We just that's all we did for 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 many for, yeah for a couple of years, um, and we really believed in that you know that we were able to basically tear apart the fabrics of reality through through music. And that was the whole idea that we also, uh, you know, gave give gave a glimpse inside that realm, but also uh, try and give people the same experiences as we had. Uh, you know, we got some pretty interesting reactions from people as well that you know they they got it basically what we were trying to build with the label and our project. So I would say that coming back to your question that um, the the music should should just be. Uh, able to, yeah, tear your own reality apart and just create something else. You know that that you will forget reality. That's the, the, forget the the 
yeah, let's call it reality that's 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 around you. We got a chance to talk to Mortis, and as we've mentioned earlier in this conversation, obviously a big touchstone for you moving on into your work, and you've gotten to play live shows with him. Yes. How did those come together? Where did you guys play, and how were those shows? Um. I think yeah I, I I I the first show was in Rotterdam, and basically how that came across um, his uh, his his uh, he has a booker which is a Dutch guy. He um, he booked him uh, in Rotterdam then, and it was I think it was one of the first live shows after his comeback show in Sweden on that Cold Meat Industry Festival. Do you right. guys remember that? Yeah. Yes. yes. Apparently, he wanted to do more shows with the Era One. Um, and then he, uh, th- they started to book a show in the, in Rotterdam, and I was also um, invited to play there. And uh, uh, I was already friends with uh, with the Dutch guy uh, back then, so it was he asked me like, "Does Old Tower want to play?" I said, "Yeah, sure. Why not? That's that's an honor, you know." And uh, yeah, I, I mean, how did it go? It was um, it was just great, like meeting him. Because it was he was kind of a mythical figure to me, uh, but we you know like we started off really well. He's a very open, open-minded, really nice guy to uh, to talk to, and so that was Rotterdam. And then the opportunity arose that he he also wanted to do a to a do that do a tour through Germany, which was basically a weekend tour. We did two shows in in Germany and one in the Netherlands, and um, that was basically arranged by the same uh, uh, Dutch booker. Uh, as well, and uh, he said, "Like, do you uh, do you want to come on tour with uh, with Mortis for a weekend?" I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And it was a lot of fun too. Um, you know, my experience with Mortis has been really, really positive. You know, he's always he was very eager to help me out as well. You know, I I was not really as professional as him. You know, in regards to having gear, so you know, he lended me his his, his cables and. Uh, uh, he was very helpful in setting all, setting everything up with the stage. You know, he's very dedicated in making a show as good as possible. Um, so he always thinks about every detail. And, uh, you know, that was a very uh, 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 good experience to have. Like, I learned a lot from him as well, you know, in, in terms of how, uh, how do you prepare for, for a show? Uh, you know, bring as much cables as you can as possible. Do some backup stuff, you know, like he always has two laptops, for example, all, all that stuff. But in general, also like his, his dedication to, to making his show um, as convincing as possible was also really cool. Like he, he really set boundaries to the people in the venues. Like, I don't want this. I don't want that. Because then, you know, like people can walk in. Like he's very, he was very, always very secretive about his, his, his preparation process and stuff. So, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he let me in in that whole process, and it was it was great. So, yeah, I mean, I would gladly do it again with him if uh, if the opportunity comes uh, comes uh, comes again. So, well, I think you've definitely built a shadow kingdom with your entire body of work, and I think it's evident when. We see you live. I think the entire presentation of the records gives a sense of an alternate reality. 
an unreality. And I think that's what sets apart a project like Old Tower from countless other projects. I like this idea that you're going to continue a looking in the world of mythology, especially the deep ocean. Something that Tara and I discuss a lot as a awe-inspiring and terrifying part of our world. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. Yeah. Very excited to see where you take that. You know, but that's, isn't that always the thing? As, uh, and also uh, to come, you know, to put it more into context in, in your like in your podcast as well for me uh things like noise or dark ambient music as well as have always been for me at least uh yeah a way of or a method uh, uh, to to really create a, a different different reality or like at like at least the, 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 yeah a different world for only a short a short amount of time basically um, and I think that's all, that's how it always should be. It shouldn't, it shouldn't really be about, uh, um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why I started drifting away from the dungeon thing thing. It's always very defined. Do you know what I mean with that? It's always very yeah. defined. It's, it's very, very focused on certain specific fantasy themes or it has like, or it is, you know, inspired by very specific uh or you know uh um let's say let's say dungeon synth really inspired by hp lovecraft or by tolkien or something uh, i'm not saying that's always a bad thing but i always i always think it's more interesting that you know the creator itself uh is is breathing through the sounds and the music and not really the the world of someone else in my opinion because then the creator is just someone telling someone else a story. And I just, I usually want to hear the, the own story of the, of the creator itself. And it doesn't mean that you cannot be inspired, you know, by, by Tolkien or, or Lovecraft, but you know, it's, it's always more interesting to really hear the creator itself at work instead of, you know, the, uh, someone else basically. Yeah. As Tara talks about the human pedal. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly human yeah, human as a pedal. Like that's exactly what I was thinking about because like how frequently like we as people just the way you perceive something, the way you think about it just changes your entire experience. Like if you have negative emotions, you'll feel negatively or if you feel positively. And and the reason that ambient can be so appealing, I think is that it's very open-ended into what energy you're putting in so for example your visuals and the times that we've seen you live like the swirling cosmos and at times you can't tell if it's snow and then that lovely spiral that's so archetypal you, you know that gives you that feeling of open possibilities because it's something so large whereas you can be dwarfed as an individual but you're also more free as an individual because you are beholding all the possibilities ahead of you just like the open ocean and I think that that is so uh, mesmerizing 
And I think that's why I'm so attracted to your world is that it is part of this world, but it also can frame things that I don't like into something that I do like. Yeah, no, you, you put it into words. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, the, 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 that's perhaps that's also one of the things why I'm so attracted to ambient music because it leaves so much room for your own interpretation. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. You know, for me personally, let's, let's take, um, a release like, um, uh, a world of hurt by Bloodbox. Absolutely. Which is, in my opinion, just a, a absolutely fantastic release. For some people, that might sound like a very frightening experience, but for me, it's just like it's very calming in a way because it's, it has a, it has a sort of, you know, like almost comforting darkness surrounding uh, uh, in, in that recording, which is which is yeah, it's it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful recording and heavily underrated in my opinion. So. Um, that's why I think my favorite releases always leave a lot of room for interpretation and it's not necessarily the, uh, it's not, n nothing is set in stone, you know, mm -hmm. that's that. And I think that's really important with, uh, with great, uh, great ambient music in general. Shouldn't be set too much in stone. I do love confronting the darkness. I don't want to deny the darkness. I, I agree with you that that is comforting because it's not comforting to pretend that whole side of the world and the experience doesn't exist and to yeah. like, and to be at peace with it and let it wash over you is an ultimate comfort. Yeah. No, we should definitely not be afraid of, of, of confronting, confronting the darkness because, you know, lots of beautiful ha things happen in the darkness. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful place to end the, regular portion of this episode we're going to discuss a specific ambient album that you brought to us that not only did the three of us not know the project at all but just about everyone we talked to who are you know on all of our levels yes, here yes, yes. had never heard of this project either and you mentioned them Mentioned it earlier in the episode, Ofoy being the project. So over on the Patreon, we're going to discuss a specific Ofoy album. And we are all thrilled that you've introduced us to a new project that we've all come to really get into in the past. Well, since you brought it up to us. So before we go, though, of course, we want to make sure to send everybody to pick up the new album the new collection pretty much just all this new old tower stuff that has come out this month at the official release date being Sunday, October 31st, Halloween, possibly the best day of the year. We're going to have links up to all the places you can get the new albums, the bundle, which is great because you get the option of, picture disc which is what we went for i believe gray went for the splatter mm -hmm. it's true cool you can also just go for classic black vinyl however you pick up the new material you just have to do it we can't say enough great stuff about it one of the releases of the year for sure so thank you so much for joining us today 
Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's uh, It's been a pleasure to talk to you guys about this uh, whole thing and it was a great conversation. So thanks a lot. Absolutely. Agreed. And now we're going to head over to the Patreon to discuss Ofoy. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.